Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter Audiocast. I'm your host, Dr. M. This is Volume 13, Issue Number 6, which corresponds to the week of January 2023. This week, we cover topics such as obesity and weight gain with Dr. David Katz. We look at aging reversal, and we also look at social work success. The podcast that corresponds with this week is number 38 with Donald Lehman, looking at protein, how it functions in our body, what we need to do in order to get enough in our systems through oral ingestion, which types of proteins and the like. The free thoughts this week are, the book Scattered Minds by Gabor Mate has a very interesting take on ADHD or attention deficit concerns. I'm rereading sections that it is more interesting each time. Attachment at our youngest ages is a developmental emotional stage that was not discussed much in medical school. Now it appears that it is part of a series of events in life that can keep humans emotionally grounded or not. The not can then lead to actions and behaviors that are seeking in nature. The seeking is attempt to fill this missing void of attachment. If your child suffers from attention issues, I highly recommend you read this book. Song of the Week is Telegraph Road by Dire Straits. Okay, an opinion essay on obesity. I asked Dr. Katz for the approval to publish this essay in its entirety, and he was kind enough to say yes. So he writes, quote, I imagine, and in select cases know, that many of my colleagues were encouraged and gratified to hear that the NIH is allocating a sizable sum to the pursuit of precision nutrition. Some number of my colleagues will be directly involved in these research efforts, and others are simply pleased to see nutrition getting some small measure of attention. We agree it warrants. I can appreciate these reactions, but in my case, the response felt more like a wave of nausea accompanied by echoes of, here we go again, again. To be clear, I, too, see some value in the NIH's predictably reductionist approach to human sustenance. As an example, just in the past weeks, a study has shown that variations in the microbiome can alter motivation and capacity for exercise in mice. If such findings extend to humans, the proverbial big if, it might mean that dietary adjustments to alter the microbiome could, in turn, help enhance the motivations and fitness of formerly devoted denizens of the couch. Tis a consummation, devoutly, to be wished, if somewhat far-fetched. So, why the nausea? Because when the big picture, a blind spot academics may share with theologians if parable to be trusted, is considered, allocating large sums to precision nutrition is like doing the same to learn the hidden secrets of a leaf on a tree in a forest that is burning to the ground while doing nothing about the fire. For starters, we are a species, a kind of animal, across the full expanse of biodiversity that speaks volumes about what kind of precision nutrition is warranted, the idea that we, and only we, among all the expressions of life, are so special that we can't feed ourselves well without a personal polyomic profile is testament to Homo sapiens hubris and delusions of grandeur. It is, in effect, denunciation of the universal relevance of adaptation and basic biology, as if we were above all that. Of course, within the expansive realm of what we know about how to feed the kind of animal we are, there is still ample room for personalization. We need only observe the diversity of cultural cuisines to be certain of that. That opportunity, however, resides largely in the burning branches of the forest, 
not at the distal tips of the unreachable leaves. We have large quantities of published evidence linking various dietary patterns to specific diet effects. And, of course, know even more about variations in human preference, largely predicted by upbringing culture and the familiarity of the long exposure. We even know that taste preferences begin to take shape in utero and are further propagated via the medium of breast milk. Nutrition can be tailored both to please taste and to shape it and to serve as personal aspirations of health and performance. In other words, we know more than enough right now to A, feed Homo sapiens very well in general in accord with our shared biology, and B, to personalize nutrition to a very considerable degree. Might the NIH effort put a fine polish on all this? Sure. But to dig back into the operative metaphor, how much sense does it make to stockpile shellac while leaving your source of all wood to incinerate? I contend very little. And further contend, this particular visual field deficit, it is itself genetic. To my eye, it shares a epistemological DNA with a recent call by the AAP to manage ever more prevalent obesity in children with ever more drugs and surgery at ever younger age. To be clear, I certainly endorse suitability intensive intervention to address dire consequences of pediatric obesity, just not while neglecting the rampant and remediable causes that populate every child's daily routine. These in turn share heritage with the recent and already notorious 60 Minutes piece contending that obesity is principally genetic because human genes have changed sufficiently in the last 100 years to account for the staggering changes of epidemiology of obesity, right? And the attendant remedies pharmacotherapy for all. I hesitate to go so far, but these to me, it seems, share heritage, albeit at a further remove with our approach to gun control, namely ignore the obvious. The one alleged civilized nation with the highest rate of gun circulation also enjoys the highest rate of gun-related death, injury, and mass mayhem, yet manages to avoid communal projectile vomiting when invited to counter this by putting more guns in circulation. That the craven hypocrisies of the NRA and the scholarly aspirations of the NIH might own a common deficiency of vision is a disconcerting notion. I attempted to connect one more dot into the bigger picture I see the cutting edge of climate calamity mitigation. Think the management of droughts and deluges involves crucial back-to-the-future insights that subordinate modern technologies to the evolved prowess of natural systems? In such context, the role of scientific advance is supporting, with the primary aim of restoring natural equilibria that worked wonderfully until we opted to obliterate them. Might not the same be true for the natural equilibria within? One wonders at the likely luminous benefits of lesser NIH fortunes allocated to the requisite supports for feeding and moving our bodies in accord with our native adaptations. Given a choice between new blueprints of rarefied proteomic pathways and putting the known blessings of the blue zones within reach of all of us, you can guess which way I would vote. So in summary, what we have is a food supply known to be willfully engineered to promote overeating. That is known to work exactly as intended. That is, in turn, known to induce weight gain and thus foment rampant obesity, which we will in turn address by dispensing the remediation of drugs and surgery to adults and their children while our best and brightest seek answers to the questions we have not yet thought to ask. 
If this is not the definitive case of mopping the floor while ignoring the running faucet, I can't think what would be. Despite what we already know reliably about the fundamentals of feeding Homo sapiens well, and despite the massive good we know it could do for both plagues of chronic and acute type, we are being invited to twiddle and dither while the NIH seeks answers more suitably recondite, if less practical, and Big Pharma applies band-aids at ruinous cost. Hence my nausea. There are pills for that too, but I think a walk in the woods with my dogs will do the trick. Finn, end quote, David Katz, MD. That is unbelievably eloquently written, what we know to be true. History has always shown us the path. We just need to hop on and walk the way of health and vitality. Instead, many Americans follow the convenience taste path to poor health. And the federal government and pharma and all these other companies are pushing us in the wrong direction every step of the way. Like Dr. Katz, it makes me sick. I don't understand why we allow our corporations and governments to provide us such bad food that everybody's getting obese. And then secondarily, developing diseases that we know immunologically are based on obesity. Crazy. Section two, aging is now firmly proven to be an epigenetic phenomenon in mice. From the David Sinclair lab at Harvard, we see first of its kind data regarding the ability to identify epigenetic marks in mice as the etiology of biomarker of aging. This is nothing short of an amazing discovery. Listen to podcast number two with the father of epigenetics, Dr. Randy Jertle, to gain a foothold in this world and then read on. From the article, quote, all living things experience an increase in entropy manifested as a loss of genetic and epigenetic information. In yeast, epigenetic information is lost over time due to relocalization of chromatin, modifying proteins to DNA breaks, causing cells to lose their identity, a hallmark of yeast aging. Using a system called, quote, ICE, end quote, inducible changes to the epigenome, we find that the active faithful DNA repair advances aging at physiological, cognitive, and molecular levels, including erosion of the epigenetic landscape, cellular X-differentiation, senescence, and advancement of the DNA methylation clock which can be reversed by OSK-mediated rejuvenation. These data are consistent with the information theory of aging, which states that a loss of epigenetic information is a reversible cause of aging. Quote, Yang et al., 2023. So for me, what we are learning is that as we age, our cells are responding to DNA damage by unfolding and exposing areas of the DNA in a repair process that allows the damage to be returned to normal. This occurs millions of times every minute. The unwinding process exposes areas of DNA's epigenome that are capable of turning on and off genes that encode for proteins that we may or may not need. When we are young, these repair mechanisms are very functional and we have less DNA damage in general, meaning less epigenetic dysfunction and less aging biologically. With age, these processes are more frequent and more dysfunctional because of more lifestyle decisions that are DNA damaging, including dietary, stress, toxin, and more. If you stack many changes to which genes are turned on and which are turned off in an appropriate way, you age and have disease. His lab proved that these events are also reversible. Oh boy, the beginning of some fascinating new trials in humans. Stay tuned for an upcoming podcast that will drop in mid-February with Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, as she is doing exactly that, reversing biological aging through lifestyle decisions. Here we go with very exciting year of newsletters and podcasts. 
A second paper in BioRx4 notes that mice exposed to Yamanaka factors showed signs of increasing lifespan by 10% over control group, Massip et al. 2023. What are the Yamanaka factors? They are a set of protein transcription factors that play a critical role in the production of induced pluripotent stem cells, often called iPSCs. These stem cells are the beginning cells of life as they have the ability to become any cell in the body. The Yamanaka factors were shown to epigenetically control how DNA is copied to make proteins. Putting this all together, we are starting to see a world where human health could improve instead of always suffer with father time chronologically. Man, I'm excited to follow this research. Section 3. It is amazing how beautiful the world can be when we care for the greater good. One of our care coordinators at Salisbury Pediatrics began a process to help a family in need, and voila, the people respond. I wanted to share the story of love to lighten the hearts of all today. Give where you can today to give someone a brighter day. So here's the quote. Hey everyone, I just wanted to let everyone know about the amazing community that Rowan County is. One of our families, a mom and three kids that we see here, was displaced by a fire late last week. They lost everything. Mom and one of the children were here yesterday and I was alerted to this crisis. I was able to reach out to DSS, the Department of Social Services, who sent out a massive email to area churches. And in 24 hours, here's what happened. Mom, children have been put in a hotel at 30 days by one person's donation. Mom, children have been given a three-month membership to the YMCA. Mom has been given a place to stay in a home with a family through this weekend when a hotel can be secured. Mom's prepaid cell phone has been paid for 30 days so that we can stay in contact with her regarding donations and needs. Household items and other family goods that are needed are being dropped off starting Monday. Once mom secures an apartment, she is waiting to hear back from some. Some furniture is going to be delivered to her new home. All of this in 24 hours. I feel so grateful to be a part of this extremely generous Rowan County community, end quote. I gotta say, folks, it's a beautiful day in North Carolina when you see people come together to help others in need. It makes my heart warm. That is the way we should be all the time. I see this as one of the major driving forces of the next 50 years of my life as we at this practice start to develop programs like the new company, Children First of North Carolina, to help gather funds to help the children where the rubber meets the road, in the office, in their home, wherever they are. That is the mandate for the future. How do we help these children so they don't become dysfunctional adults? Let's start with feeding them well, helping them stay sheltered, giving them positive outlooks, learning, education, and so much more. This is just one of those stories of somebody suffering tragedy where humans rise up to help the people and their children survive in a better way. That's all this week. As always, hug those kids. Have a great day. Here's the disclaimer. The information provided in this newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice or treatment provided by your physician or the healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue and does not constitute the formation of a provider-patient relationship. Have a great day. <laughs>